Garage Logic, broadcasting live from the office of the mayor above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. Featuring the rookie on production, Chris Reavers, vice president of social media, and John Height in the newsroom. Now, the fireworks commissioner, flashlight king, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Commencing Garage Logic segment number one. Nice, coolish, uh, late summer day, huh? 71. Uh, yeah, 21st. For the fair, yeah, 21st. Yeah, I got to get a message out right away. I got a very heartfelt voicemail from a woman named Annette. And her husband's name is John. Okay. And when I say heartfelt, I mean heartfelt. And they're terribly excited to see us at the fair on Labor Day. And she oh. didn't leave a return number. Oh, no. We don't do Labor Day at the fair. Haven't for 20 years. So if, if, if Annette, you're listening, or there are listeners who know who John and Annette might be, you got to get word to them that we don't do Labor Day at the fair. Well, Our last state fair show will be whatever the, the last Friday date is. Hell, why not to why accommodate not? the yeah. people? Let's... Maybe we ought to do a little live Labor Day. We're so not, there's still acts we haven't booked. We're not, we're not doing that. A little tip of the cap to the folks. Hey, right, no, see I, you I, later. No, no. The, uh, so Come on up and meet the fellas <laughs> on the porch. So John and Annette, uh, or Annette, uh, get, uh, you need to get word of that. We don't, do, uh, we don't do the fair on Labor Day. Been a long time. Maybe Rookie and Reavers in height and Height will go out. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to see John and Annette, probably not. Did you guys ever do Labor Day shows? Yes. First couple of years I did. That was before Rook. What okay. a sucker. And then... Uh, had a, you had an, an awakening. I, had, I did. I had a, an epiphany. Right. You recall the story yesterday of the uh, coppers stopping the 10 drivers in Connecticut for going too slowly? Yes. And we lamented that reporting isn't what it used to be. I desperately wanted to know what they were doing. Well, that that... That stuck in my craw, so I had to find out. Okay. So I went all over the internets, and it turns out that a lead car was filming the 10 cars. Uh, there was somebody in a lead car yes. out ahead of the 10. The 10 were blocking the highway. They were being rude and uncharitable. And, mm-hmm. and, and the reason the story interested me is it's a bit reminiscent of what last year when the, uh, remember when the, when the news gatherers breathlessly reported all of the speeding exotic cars yes. and it was you know yeah. right uh, so but these these cars were exotics uh they and that's another thing where the reporting failed they were described as race car like cars we don't have no idea what that means i don't means. know what that means but these these people weren't speeding they were just blocking the they were slowing down traffic so they could be filmed uh, okay what i found from cbs boston was that they were being filmed in the hopes of creating a pilot for an upcoming reality TV show. Oh, my God. And, mm. and then reporting not being what it used to be. That's where that stopped. So I have no idea if they they have a, <sighs> a, a show lined up. Or like were, a Top Gear kind of I, thing? I guess. I guess. But at least now we know why they were doing this. They okay. were being filmed in the hopes that uh, they were going to use this uh, for the pilot of an upcoming show. And that's uh, that's all I was able to find, but I'm somewhat more satisfied than I was yesterday. Okay. 
At least we know uh, for one of the reasons they were going super duper slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Labor Day. John and Annette, you got to get the word. We don't. Right. Uh, I'm surprised Stacy hasn't weighed in. Stacy, the GL geologist. Yeah, she has not for a while. Uh, the 68 quakes the last few days around the Ring of Fire. Are you slipping, Stace? What's up? You're you're always on top of your game. Well, she's probably in the field. She's probably, probably been summoned to duty. And on the latest uh, news out of Yellowstone is we can now we don't we no longer have to worry about the super volcano. That hysteria is going to be set aside, and what we should be worried about is a magnitude seven earthquake. Okay, that's what we're supposed to worry <clears throat> sure. about. Uh, the biggest concern we have for Yellowstone is not the volcano. It's with earthquakes, said Michael Poland, scientist in charge at the Yellowstone Volcano Observatory, a consortium of eight organizations led by the U.S. Geological Survey. This is an underappreciated hazard in the Yellowstone area. There can <clears throat> and there will be in the future magnitude, se- magnitude 7 earthquakes. On average, Yellowstone experiences 1,500 to 2,500 earthquakes a year. Most of them so fault, so small they cannot be felt, but large quakes can and have occurred. Uh, on August 17, 1959, a magnitude 7.3 rocked the park. That killed 28 people. Wow. When a massive landslide pummeled into a campground, more than 80 million tons of rock fell, blocking a river and forming a lake aptly named Earthquake Lake that remains today. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that. Wow, either. they wiped out a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. Compared to even a minor eruption of Yellowstone supervolcano, the threat of an earthquake on a similar scale happening again is more likely. That's something that happens on a human life scale, Poland said, but unlike a volcano, large earthquakes don't show warning signs. We can say where they are likely to occur, but we can't say when. And, of course, the hazards today would be greater than 60 years ago because of a higher number of visitors. See, that's really what's happening. As nature behaves the way nature will, with fires and earthquakes and volcanoes, right? Uh, they're more problematic because there's just more people in harm's way. Right. Is it oxymoronic to say minor eruption? Well, it's like major dengue and regular dengue. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Or minor surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's on me, it ain't minor. Well... You know, except for that. <laughs> you didn't give much to work with that. I have some medical news today that will shock us all. Oh. Ben Casey, a medical update? No, 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 just medical no. news. And I can tell you that it's so out there that I spent considerable time verifying it to my satisfaction. Oh. But you did satisfy yourself with it? That what I read was the truth. Okay. And we have to do it. Before Kenny gets here. Oh. Oh, it's that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Huh. It involves the swimsuit area. Sure. In a way that I think I'm going to advise uh, any moms or dads driving kids around. They're just going to have to turn off the TV. I'm sorry. Or the, the radio. radio. Hopefully they're turning the TV off. Turn the radio off. Yeah. And then they'll have to catch it on, a po- on the podcast tomorrow. And they can do that at garagelogic.com. Mm-hmm. Where beginning September 10th, that's where you find us. You're making me really nervous or you're really about to turn me on. I don't know which one. Well, it's the damnedest thing you've ever heard. I had to go to Snopes. I, I, oh. Oh. I, I, 
I, I said oh, to wait I, a minute. I, I said to myself, I think I. Well, don't say. No, it. I'm not. I'm not to, I don't I know. I I, I'm at a disadvantage. No, I had to say to myself, this can't be. Can't this be. can't be. This is not. This just can't be. But it but is. Can be. Okay. Boy, the kid didn't pitch too well last night. You know, he didn't I, get a lot of help from his bumbling Three Stooges outfielders and infielders either. We were supposed to have the early start because this was a makeup game. Yeah, and they held it up for what amounted to a mist. It was pouring pretty good though. Oh, I didn't know that. When I when I drove home, really? I was dri- driving through a pretty good gully washer. Oh. But I got home about 6:45, flipped the ball game on, and that poor kid lasted half an hour. Well, he might have lasted longer. They uh they let a pop fly drop and uh, he uh his stuff isn't very good though. I mean, his fastball is at 90. Well, you know, give him some time. Well, I'm not saying cut him by any means, but holy cow, that was bad. And the Whiteys are not very good, by the way. I hate, I hate to inform you. No, but uh, by Whitey standards, they're on quite the roll lately. Well, that and they do have quite a bit of young talent. In fact, they're going to see their hot phenom tonight, Michael Kopesh, who is, I think, a top 10 overall baseball prospect. All right. 646-8255-877-867. Six one five fifteen hundred GL will be back in a moment. The Bite, the Joe Shoot Show, Shashin Chicha, Easy Music. Tell me just what you want me to Gene sent me a, an incredible uh, email with a link to a, a video of how Boeing puts a 737 together. That's right. I want to look that up right It's now. just fantastic. You can see it on the GL website. I think it's three minutes long, and you can see the entire plane assembled. The uh, fuselages arrive by train. They go in the one end of the factory, and they fly out the other end. It's amazing. Jeez. Absolutely amazing. Say uh, the Miami Herald uh, is endorsing a congressional candidate who claims to have communicated with aliens throughout her life. Okay. And says the extraterrestrials once visited her. So that's where we're headed. What do you do? What do you serve? You don't have to come over. Uh, The Herald on Sunday endorsed Bettina Rodriguez Aguilera, who is running as a Republican for Representative Ileana Ross-Latinen's Republican seat in the Republican primary for Florida's 27th Congressional District. The newspaper called her a strong candidate in the race with plausible conservative ideas. Nice. Rodriguez Aguilera said in a 2009 television interview that she boarded a spaceship occupied by aliens when she was seven. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I went in. There were some round seats that were there and some quartz rocks that controlled the ship, not like airplanes, Rodriguez said in the interview, she said she was visited by three large blonde beings. Really? No, I couldn't (laughs) believe my luck. I couldn't believe my alien luck. had to be blonde. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the... I told you that story, didn't I? Well, uh, No, I don't think you did. Well, that truck driver was uh, outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. And uh, in his load were two chimpanzees. Okay. And he suddenly had a breakdown in his truck. Oh, man. And he flagged down the first motorist he could find, and it was a very attractive young blonde woman. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, ma'am, will you do me a favor? Are you by any chance headed to Jacksonville? And she said, why, yes, I am. And he said, I have to get these two chimpanzees to the zoo in Jacksonville. I'll give you $500 for your trouble. Uh, Could you please do that for me? It would be a great help. And she Uh said, sure. So she buckled the chimps into the, you know, the car seat. As you would. Yep. And, uh... Who would? Right, who would? Hey, that's you know, how you do it, right, Rook? Right, I see them on either side by the window in yeah. the back seat, yeah. and they're kind of yeah. looking up. They're kind of going like this as you buckle them. Like, right. what is she doing? Right. Click them up. A couple hours later, the truck driver's back yeah. on the road, and he's cruising through Jacksonville, and he sees the blonde walking down the street, and on either side of her, holding them by her hand, the blonde is with the two chimps. Oh, oh my God. He stops. He says, lady, I gave you 500 bucks to get these two chimps to the zoo. And she said, and we had a great time, thank you. We have money left over. We're going to SeaWorld. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think so. That's pretty good. Yeah. I had I just, a blast. I like the part where you're describing him buckling up the chimp yeah. in, the, in the, as Rook says, as you would. As you would. Yeah, yeah I like mean, this why is a not? daily yeah. occurrence. Well, so anyway, like... this Rodriguez Aguilera, oh. she said she went in the spaceship great. and uh, she was visited by three large blonde beings. In a separate interview with the Herald last year, she said she joins the majority of Americans who believe that there must be intelligent life in the billions of planets and galaxies in the universe. The universe, uh, the newspaper's editorial board acknowledged in its endorsement that Rodriguez Aguilera is an unusual candidate. I think so. Okay. But agreed with her assessment that her past comments about aliens aren't an issue in the race. Hmm. All right. Her bona fides as a former elected official and now a businesswoman who spends time in other countries training women to run for office are solid, the editorial board wrote. Okay. So uh, so she's good at that. So the best the best they can come up with in uh, Florida's 27th Congressional District is this, is this gal who thinks she was visited by extra three big blonde uh, big girls. Yeah, three big blonde girls or beings uh, on the ship uh, when she was seven. That's what we. This is. Remember when politics used to be the call to America's best and brightest? Yes. What is it now? Well, when Not. you tell me that you think you've been on a spaceship and you were visited by these creatures, I, I'm I have my doubts about you. Uh, it's uh, the story is suspect mm-hmm. to me. And if nothing really happened, why would she even bring it up? Well, because she's been claiming this all her life, apparently. Oh. And uh, I think they'd be uh, f- foolish to uh, to vote her in. I don't. I know. I don't know anything about the uh, the incumbent. He's not mentioned. Or maybe she's running against a Democrat she, for know. the seat currently held by a Republican, Ileana Ross Dash Lieutenant. So you got a couple of uh, diversity bills here. Got it. Mm-hmm. Would five hundred bucks cover the expense for hauling two chimps to Jacksonville? Well, they weren't that far outside Jacksonville. I see. Plus, they I don't it. think I'd do it for five hundred. Oh, I'd take two chimps to the zoo for five hundred. I bet probably. But cost, I would have dropped them off. She'd probably dropped about seventy-five bucks. What they probably had and a gas. sandwich. You know, sandwich. had lunch. Well, and she had money couple left. Couple bananas. She had money left over. Right. That's right. They wanted to go to SeaWorld. so she was going to take him to SeaWorld. Yeah, that trucker, he ran across a good soul there in that story. 
uh, one that he found trustworthy enough with chimps that really can't communicate Precious other than cargo. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know maybe they can sign a couple things because mm-hmm. they I think they're taught sign language in the zoo time, mm-hmm. zoo school when they have their little <laughs> chimp backpacks. The uh, current farmers almanac was clapping. Uh, They're the, really good. Chimps are really good at the chimp school at the zoo with clapping the erasures, getting all that chalk out of there. They're good, Dad. What are you seeing at chimp school? Are you seeing uh, a I'm uniform? Seeing, yeah, you got like, uh, they're, you know, it's like private school. They got some like uh, gray shorts or slacks in or, the winter. Or plaid skirts. Yes, for the yes, girls. And yeah. maybe the boys have a nice uh, a belt buckle, how's a white the, shirt. I'm trying, to give, I'm trying to give you a ray of hope here. Lunch line, there is no line because it's just... They're shipping bananas. I mean, it's just like a, a churning wheel where it's what do you have? And you know, bananas. And, but they have their they have their their school. They have that plastic tray. <laughs> the obligatory. Uh-huh. You know, it's got all the things. But it's just they only, they only get a banana every day. You know, and the big kids, if they want extra, they get two. Yeah, they get two. Hello, football team. <laughs> You know, it's they're all set. What was the guy's name? Uh, what was? The, didn't we talk to a gorilla? Oh yeah, uh, we talked to the the gal, gal. the gal, and she uh, and, and what Bronco's was girlfriend, Bronco. Bronco, Bronco could, could bring, bring it. it. Oh yeah, Bronco could bring it. See? Bronco could bring it. Yeah, he he went to chimp school. Mm-hmm. What's their mascot? I don't know. A human. Yeah, right. Well, I, I'm now. Okay, I, where now you've, you've babbled on so much about the chimp cafeteria that I can't get to this ray of hope because it's time to bring in. Uh, John Height okay. with all the news that's fit to broadcast. Got her. John, as is our custom. Yes. Uh, Larry, go ahead, please. Joe, I've been listening to your story about the chimps, and I I was wondering, since you have this other story on a lot about anxiety and people having uh, animals and such for, uh, you know, comfort animals or whatever, I'm wondering if these chimps, which uh, therapy animal they would have. And hey, hey, Joe, Joe? Uh Uh-huh. Joe, I see you at the fair. I'm afraid so, aren't I? Yeah. 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 I think we owe Larry a studio sit-in, too. Here's John. Uh, don't, don't ever bring that up again. Thanks, Don't so, ever Joe. bring that up again. It's cloudy at 71 I'll degrees. I'll bring a monkey in here to go right for your jugular. This update uh, is brought to you by uh, Fred Lodi's Ace Hardware Garden Store, proud sponsor of the beer show with Mr. Reavers. Yeah, when he decides to show up. Thursday nights on 1500 ESPN. Will that that show be done from the fair? Oh, heavens, yes. two Thursdays? I love doing the beer show at the fair because we get the... Right in the heart of beer country. Not only that, but uh, we always get the... The, the the grandstand crowd that kind of wow. congregates in front sure, of the waiting stage. waiting to go in the concert, oh, right? Yeah. We oh, always have really good crowds. That's, that's good. Not GL good, but we have good crowds. All right. 
Steven Gonzalez did not uh, pitch well uh, last evening he in his stinks. major league debut. It was just one start, Chris. Come on. Uh, he'll make another start for the Twins. Paul Molitor already announcing that uh, this season. Well, so, uh, yeah, you got to give the kid well, another of course, shot. But, yeah. Oof, yeah. That was bad. Twins beaten by the White Sox at Target Field. Uh, they are now down in Chicago. Of course, yesterday was a makeup game. Today, a two game series starts in Chicago. And uh, the Twins will throw Jose Barrios tonight. Uh, he'll go against Chicago's highly touted prospect, Michael Kopesh. Uh, he's been a really good in the minor leagues. He's making his major league debut tonight against the Twins. He was the prize prospect they got for Chris Sale, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. The Lynx uh, open up what they hope to be a playoff run tonight. They're playing the Sparks out in Los Angeles. Late start, uh, 9.30. Now they need to win to keep playing. This first uh, first two rounds of the WNBA playoffs are one game. I approve of that. You, you like know? the one and done? Well, let's go here. Yeah. I like that. They're, let's, you know what they're saying? Let's go here. So they need to win, in other words, to keep going. Hey, mm-hmm. you either win or you go home. That's it. Mm-hmm. Two choices. News notes from today. Investigators have recovered a body believed to be that of 20-year-old college student mm-hmm. Molly Tibbetts. Mm-hmm. She disappeared from her small hometown in central Iowa a month ago. The body was discovered in rural Powashik County, which includes Tibbetts' hometown of Brooklyn, Iowa. The agency is holding a 4 o'clock news conference to provide an update on the search for Tibbet, saying investigators were working to confirm the identity of the body that was found. Greg Wiley of Crime Stoppers of Central Iowa, a nonprofit that's administering an anonymous tip line and reward fund, said he learned of the discovery from a close friend of the Tibbetts family this morning. He called it a tough but not unexpected ending to the search for the University of Iowa student. Investigators say Tibbetts was last seen July 18th in Brooklyn. A rural town of about 1,400 people as she took a routine evening jog. It's unclear whether she returned to the home where she was dog-sitting for her boyfriend and her boyfriend's brother, who have said they were both out of town. She was reported missing by her family the next day after she didn't show up for work at a day camp for children. Tibbetts' disappearance set off a massive search involving dozens of officers from the FBI, as well as state and local agencies. They focused much of their efforts in and around Brooklyn, searching farm fields, ponds, and homes. Investigators asked anyone who was around five locations, including a car wash, a truck stop, and a farm south of town to report if they saw anything suspicious on July 18th. Authorities have found the body of a second missing Minnesota boater on Lake Wasoda in Wisconsin. Chippewa County Sheriff Jim Kozalak said the body of 22-year-old Antonio Robinson of Minneapolis has been recovered. An earlier release from the Chippewa County Sheriff's Department said the body of the first man, identified as 50-year-old Travis Kramer of Coon Rapids, was discovered about 12.30 Sunday, attached to the rope of a rubber tube found near the buoys at the Hydro Dam. The pontoon had been registered to Kramer. A passerby had noticed the pontoon run aground on the north end of the lake near Hydro Dam. No one was on the boat at that time except for a dog. Former longtime Trump attorney Michael Cohen now in closing negotiations over a plea deal with the Justice Department that could be resolved today when he appears in court later this afternoon. Federal investigators are in the final stages of the investigation into Cohen could file charges by the end of the month. Investigators probing whether Cohen committed bank or tax fraud in connection with his financial and business dealings, including loan activities. Investigators are also interested in whether Cohen violated any campaign finance-related laws by helping arrange payment deals to secure the silence of women who claim they had affairs with President Trump. The last Nazi war crime suspect facing deportation from the U.S. was taken from his New York City home and spirited to Germany this morning, according to the White House. The deportation of the 95-year-old former concentration camp guard Jekau Pallage came 25 years after investigators first confronted him about his World War II past, and he admitted lying to get into the U.S., 
claiming he had spent the war as a farmer and factory worker instead. Uh, Polish quietly lived in the U.S. for years as a draftman, a draftsman and then a retiree. Until almost three decades ago when investigators found his name on an old Nazi roster and a fellow former guard spilled the secret that he was living somewhere in America. Polish told Justice Department investigators, uh, department investigators who showed up at his door in 1993, I would have never received my visa if I told the truth. Everyone lied. A judge stripped Polish's citizenship in 2003 for participation in acts against Jewish civilians while an armed guard at the Troniki camp in Nazi-occupied Poland, and he was ordered deported a year later. But because Germany, Poland, Ukraine, and other countries wouldn't take him in, he continued living in limbo in a two-story red brick home in the New York City borough of Queens that he shared with his wife. His continued presence there outraged the Jewish community, attracting frequent protests over the years that featured such chants as, Your neighbor is a Nazi. Investigators tried to learn more about a bizarre incident off the coast of Rhode Island. A woman said she fell off a sailboat and her husband didn't know she had been overboard for hours. Mm, it's it's kind of like when Don Riley left his wife at a gas station well, yeah. on the way home from Notre Dame, but Oof. you're a little safer at a gas station. Yeah. How far did Don have to drive before he realized? He came home and his daughter said, Dad, uh, you forgot Mom at the gas station. But how far away was the gas station? Oh, God, hundreds it was of in miles. Was, it was in Wisconsin, yeah. yeah. The U.S. Coast Guard says the woman said she fell off her husband's 39-foot sailboat sometime Friday afternoon as they were sailing from Newport to East Greenwich. The woman who authorities haven't identified was found on Prudence Island at about 4 in the morning Saturday by a passing boater who heard her cries for help. The woman had mild hypothermia but refused treatment. Her husband was found around 2 in the morning in Warwick after he ran his sailboat aground. Was he he hammered? Uh, They do not say that. She's okay. Boy, is she going right? to give him the look? Oh, yeah. that, you know what? That's going to be the burner. Yep. There's yeah. no way they the survive. Right There's no the, way this marriage survives. No, no. It'd be a tough Thanksgiving. The man told local police he thought his wife was below deck sleeping and didn't realize she was missing. <laughs> I'm not sure she's going to buy that. Petty officer Sam Van Lent told a local TV station it was pretty challenging because she could have been anywhere. She could have swam to the other side of the bay or another buoy or another beach. She could have been anywhere. Uh, No other information available at this point in the investigation, and there was no other comment from authorities. That's two stories in two days of women surviving at sea after supposedly falling off a boat. How long was she gone? Uh, let's see. She hours. found her at four in the morning. Found her at four in the morning on the uh, thing, and it says that uh, Friday afternoon she fell off. So, okay, it was, uh, yeah. honey, we waited and waited and waited. Right, Larry, <laughs> Larry's. Well, you need to add this to the folder, Joe. Which hey, one? Show the CP. Hey, look, I wouldn't leave you. Wouldn't an maybe and you like to sail boats, so yeah. you like sailboat. I'd probably notice if somebody fell off. Yeah. Although now, uh, doesn't the yeah? Because no- you would hear. <laughs> You would know just uh, because she's not there. Doesn't the loose leaf binder involve drinking? Though? Yeah, we're yeah. not sure if this yeah. involves. Yeah, drinking. I can't put oh, this in the binder. Well, you run a it sailboat aground, you're probably into the. Uh, I don't know. All right, <laughs> Mayor. Same scenario, but one of the three of us falls off. I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> got to get where I, you're you know going. What? I'm a bad way. I gotta go. I can't turn around. I would <laughs> ruin my timing. Uh, animal crackers. You know the boxes? I'm aware of them, John. Uh, yeah, Got a lot you, of them in my you, house. You've seen them with the... You, uh, you can get them. The little one with the string on you stick oh, yeah, to school. You, I suppose that's yeah. a safety hazard now? Well, no, but uh, if you'll remember, it was a Barman Bailey circus thing, right? Yeah, they were, uh, it was rectangular as if to... Uh, Mimic a rail car. We got and that, they, Rook. That's that's oh, what Barnum and okay. Bailey was yep. referring to. 
they were in cages, remember? Sure. While they're changing no. that. No, is that no. racist or what did we <laughs> no. come up with for this? No. Well, of course, PETA complained because oh, they were in cages. Oh, I know oh, where PETA, this is it's a going. PETA deal. So now Mondelez International, who's the parent company of Nabisco, has redesigned the packaging of the Barnum's Animal Crackers after getting pressure from PETA. Oh, my God. They agreed and started working on a redesign. In the meantime, the Crackers namesake circus, of course, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey folded for good. The redesign of the boxes now on U.S. store shelves retains the familiar red and yellow coloring and the prominent Barnum's Animals lettering. But instead of showing the animals in cages, the new boxes feature a zebra, elephant, lion, giraffe, and gorilla wandering side by side in a grass. Oh, isn't that nice? Why do they give in to these fruitcakes? I don't know. Peter was at the um, food truck festival at Mears Park last Saturday night. Showing bad videos of how animals are mistreated while people are ordering burritos. And remember, and PETA has nothing to do with animals. Nothing I to do with animals. Told the guy to get away from me. Ren Claire in the Channel 5 Weather Center. Hey guys, yeah, it's a cool forecast, feeling a lot like fall currently, just 68 in the Twin Cities right now. Our highs are in the mid-70s, uh, but we're definitely on a slow start to get there with mostly cloudy skies and a few sprinkles out and about, uh, especially through the next hour or two. But we still have the chance for a couple peaks of sunshine late afternoon into the early evening. Clear skies tonight with temperatures in the mid to upper 50s, and tomorrow it's a seasonal forecast. We're back to low 80s with sunny skies. Thursday, we'll start to see that cloud cover increase into the afternoon with the chance for showers and thunderstorms Thursday night into Friday. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And what do you have for current, Ren? Uh, current, 68. 68 degrees. Yeah. Wow. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, last night, student protesters at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, that's the main campus, Yeah. they toppled the Silent Sam Confederate Monument. I know of Silent Sam. I gave Silent Sam a pat on the back. I've seen him. You've been in that area. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. It was put up in 1913 to honor Confederate alumni who died in the Civil War. Uh, demonstrations changed that Monday by toppling the controversial statue. Uh, about 9.30 p.m., students gathered around the monument to uh, stand in solidarity with a university student who faces criminal charges for vandalizing the statue in April. That student, Maya Little, defaced the statue with red ink and blood. Protesters mm-hmm. held signs and chatted, hey, hey, ho, ho, this racist statue has got to go. Uh, so I looked up Silent Sam. Okay. <clears throat> What'd you find out? Uh, so and so to set kid the, I used to have went there. Okay, to set the mental picture. There's a big statue in where a, a, a square of some sort. Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on a. It's a north facing. Uh, yeah, it's on. A, it's on a. It's a main part of the campus. Okay, and it's on a pedestal. It was a very noted. He's holding a rifle, but the sculptor carefully uh, refused to give him an ammunition box. Oh, and the statue is facing north. Uh, it's in this. It's in the university's upper quad, facing Franklin uh, Street. Uh, okay, you want to know this this one? Yes. The statue was funded by the university alumni and the United Daughters of the Confederacy. It was uh, erected in 1913 as a memorial to the Confederate alumni who lost their lives in the Civil War. 
and all students who joined the Confederate States Army. More than a thousand members of the university fought in the American Civil War in either the Northern or Southern armies, comprising at least 40% of the student body. Uh, the university remained open through the entire year. This was due to President Swain's policy of dependency on men unfit for combat. A bronze image on the front of the memorial depicts a young student dropping his books as he looks up to answer a call to duty. On the base of the statue, a woman representing the state of North Carolina is depicted calling students to fight for the Southern cause, even if it means leaving their studies. Uh, the, stu- the statue was uh, erected to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the beginning of the Civil War. The United Daughters of the Confederacy spent four years fundraising and hired Canadian sculptor John Wilson to create the statue. It cost 7500 bucks, which today is 185 grand. Similar to the sculpture Wilson created of an unarmed Union soldier, Daniel A. Bean, Wilson created a silent statue by not including a cartridge box on the Confederate soldier's belt so he cannot fire his gun. Like the Daniel A. Bean sculpture, Wilson used a northerner, Harold Langloy, a Boston man, as his model. Uh, Wilson created a series of similar statues called the Silent Sentinels. All were created in the North and then displayed in the South. Uh, Like all other statues, Silent Sam is positioned to face North towards the Union. Here's where it gets problematic. Okay. According to research by W. Fitzhugh Brundage, who is the William B. Umstead Professor of History at the University of North Carolina, the purpose of the statue was clearly stated at its 1913 dedication. In his lengthy and now controversial dedication speech, industrialist and former Confederate soldier Julian Carr, for whom Carborough, North Carolina, is named, emphatically praised the student soldiers and soldiers of the Confederate Army for their valor and patriotism. Toward the end of the speech, Carr stated his belief that the present generation scarcely takes note of what the Confederate soldier meant to the welfare of the Anglo-Saxon race during the four years immediately succeeding the war. Uh, Brundage states that the four years immediately succeeding the war is a clear reference to the terrorization of blacks and white Republicans by the Ku Klux Klan, which worked to restore the dominance of traditional white hierarchy. Carr went on to boast to the campus crowd. Here's where it gets a little tough. He's, a, he's, a, he, this is, he's out there now. Sure. He's got the bullhorn. 100 yards from where we stand, less than 90 days perhaps after my return from Appomattox, I, I horsewhipped a Negro wench until her skirts hung in shreds because she had maligned and insulted a Southern lady and then rushed for protection to these university buildings where was stationed a garrison of 100 federal soldiers. I performed the pleasing duty in the immediate presence of oh. the entire garrison. Well, a jackass. Put the statue in a museum. The monument has been a subject of controversy and a site of protest since the 60s. In March 65, a discussion about the monument's meaning and history occurred in letters to the editor of the UNC student newspaper, The Daily Tar Heel. In May 1967, poet John Beecher debated Silent Sam, reading the statue from his book of poetry, To Live and Die in Dixie. Following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the monument was vandalized. In the early 70s, the monument was the site of several demonstrations by the black student movement. Students gathered by the statue to speak out after Los Angeles police officers were found not guilty in the Rodney King trial. Okay, this isn't the Lake Calhoun case. 
There was no case to change the name of Lake Calhoun to uh, bada bing, bada boom, bada bomb. Right? No, you never get it right. You gotta if you're gonna do it, do it the right way. There was no case for that because the case would have had to be that Lake Calhoun was named specifically for John Calhoun, precisely because he owned slaves. That was not the case. This sounds more to the point of having a case. The statue was, if not intended to be commemorated, certainly was commemorated on its unveiling uh, to preserve white hierarchy and to commemorate white hierarchy, uh, not to mention that the moron uh, is boasting about uh, right. what a class hurting act. a woman. So uh, I, I can't root for... I, I'm always going to err on the side of we can't revise history. But you got to put this thing in a museum and then instruct students about that uh, car's speech on opening day. Yeah. Make it a. a I don't think it should be melted down. I don't think it should go away. Uh, But you're going to have to acknowledge that. you can understand why it was an inc- an incredibly unwelcome fixture. Yes, on one of the best university campuses in the country. But I'm not demolishing it. The students should be arrested for vandalizing it. They should suffer consequences. But I don't think it should go back up in a position of prominence on the campus. Put it in a museum. Put it in a put it in a glass case in a student union and say, here's what this was really about. And we have removed it from a position of prominence, but uh, we are not going to. case. Yep. Come right now. You will get eight weeks free based on the purchase of a full service program. I loved the MetaFast plan. There's five metro area MetaFast weight control centers, and they're also in St. Cloud, Rochester, Mankato, and Eau Claire. So they're everywhere. Call 855-RESULTS today for your free consultation. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchelet. Yeah, I, I verified it. It's a true story. Huh. Okay. Gotta do it before Kenny gets here. Okay. I know. I'm waiting to hear it. 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 68 degrees, more GL in a moment.